to Me, Myself, and Millie, a podcast that gives light and levity to infertility and different pathways to parenthood. Hosted by infertility sleuth, Millie Brooks, that's me. Hi, 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 everybody. This is our holiday episode of 2020, where we're going to talk all about our holiday triggers. Dun, dun, dun. Holiday pregnancy announcements can be very difficult to see this time of year. The holidays just bring up an added layer to what we don't have and can remind us of things that we've lost. And with me to unpack this important topic is the fabulous Marilyn Gomez. Marilyn hosts the show Mama Vita Podcast and is also the genius behind Infertile Tees, which is an online shop with infertility jewelry, t-shirts, and other types of rad merchandise. Marilyn went through a big phase during her infertility journey of wanting to reveal pregnancy news around the holidays. So she's going to share her story with us today and give us some good pointers on how to navigate this challenging season. Navigating the world of fertility supplements can be so exhausting. That's why I'm partnering with Fairhaven Health to help you discover their awesome fertility supplements. So gather around, gather around. FH Pro for Women and FH Pro for Men supports hormonal imbalance, egg quality, cervical mucus consistency, sperm health, including count, motility, and DNA integrity. Both of these supplements are antioxidant-based and herb-free, which makes it flexible for any fertility situation. Use the discount code MILLIE15 for 15% off your purchase. Link is in the show description. Smoochers! Marilyn, it's absolutely fabulous to have you on the show. I'm so excited to talk with you today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, what do your COVID days and your corona nights look like right now? Uh, Presently, (laughs) (laughs) they consist of waking up at 7 a.m. and homeschooling my little girl. And then I end my nights with a glass of wine and Gilmore Girls. (laughs) Oh... You know, it's the simple pleasures. I love me some Gilmore Girls. Yeah. Yes. It's so good. Um. Well, wh- why don't we get a little bio about oh. you before, okay. like who you are outside of infertility? Oh, my goodness. Well, I am a gritty, brave empath who loves music. That's my therapy. I love people. I love deep conversations. I'm not good with the chit chats. I'm pretty awkward with that. I love being uncomfortable. That's where I find the best personal growth. And I'm addicted to self-reflecting. I also collect a crazy amount of journals, but I keep them very blank. I don't write in them. <laughs> oh, I do the same thing. Mine are like half filled. Yeah. It's like like just the first couple of pages. My husband's like, do you still need this? I'm like, I do. I need this (laughs) journal that I never write in, but I want more. (laughs) 
this is going to come in handy one day. <laughs> yeah, I just... I don't know when, but it will. It makes will. me happy. I just... So that's what I do. <laughs> so you have an affinity for journals. I do. I love Need that. For <laughs> I've been married for 11 years. I met my husband, though, um, in 2002. So we've been together for 18 years. Just like a lifetime. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And where do you live? We are tucked away in Southeast Charlotte in suburban neighborhood in the woods, which is Charlotte, amazing. North Carolina. North Carolina. Yeah, North Carolina. We've been here for two years and I love it here. Yeah. People here are so welcoming and that Southern hospitality is real. It's real. It's true. It's real. Yeah. People oh, don't walk nice. around here with their faces and devices. They really look to connect with people. Well, not this year, though. 2020 has been very different. <laughs> their faces are in masks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hard to kind of compare everybody's behavior in 2020 totally. to other years. But I yeah. get you. Totally. Um, and you homeschool your daughter? Yeah, she's four. And she was in preschool last year, and I decided to homeschool this year, not because I was fearful of what's happening out there, but more so about my mental health. I really check myself first always, and I felt that transitioning into the fall, not knowing what was going to happen and questioning every little symptom you know, kids get gunky and gross at school anyway. And I was like, you know, I feel like this wouldn't be good for my mental health. Let me just keep her home. So it's been going really well. And I love it. And we, you know, I focus on conscious parenting and it's really helped us stay present together with no, it's not like a, you know, we're going to sit in school every day from nine to 11. It's just very go with the flow and it's pretty great. Oh my gosh, I want to go to that kind of school. Yeah, it's so much fun. <laughs> are you guys accepting new applicants? We are. <laughs> join me. You can join um, me on Zoom. I love it. That sounds beautiful. Well, why don't you give us a glimpse into your fertility journey? Let's start there. Thank you. So my journey started, I guess, in 2009 when I didn't know I was infertile. <laughs> I thought infertility was like for really old people, like in the Bible, <laughs> that like never had children. <laughs> like Sarah you know? and Abraham. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like Sarah and Abraham. I'm like, that's infertile. Like I'm not infertile. I was in my late 20s, mid to late 20s when I got married. And like we were having unprotected sex and nothing ever happened. So right when we got married, my husband was like, let's just, you know, go to the OB and see if like we can rush it because we really wanted a big family. He comes from a big family. I come from, it's my sister and I, but I always wanted a big family. I'm Latina and my parents come from massive families and I always wanted my own, a big, big, big family. So I go to the OB. She's like, have you guys been trying for a year? And I, I totally fibbed. I was like, yes, yes. you lied. I lied yes. because I was like, she's not, how can you tell? She's not going to know. <laughs> I'm like, I have. I have been trying for a year. And so Can you um, tell by the way I can walk? you tell? Can you look at my vag and like tell me if it's <laughs> you know, been doing its thing? So anyway, <laughs> she prescribed Clomid pretty much immediately. This was September of two thousand and nine. And 
we did, she's like, it'll usually take about three months, but you're young. Of course, like the you're young, that, that line is just, should be dismissed. Like you should be, your license to be a doctor should be revoked if you tell someone you're young. Oh my gosh. I know. (laughs) Yeah. I know. I agree. So we did Clomid for, I get confused with how many Clomid cycles I did with my IUIs. I either did six Clomid cycles or seven Clomid cycles, but um, it didn't work. <laughs> and eventually, I I was like, I need to figure this out. There's not much more that my OB can do. And her hands were just like, she basically gave up. She was like, I, there's nothing else I can do for you. And um, so I started seeing a reproductive endocrinologist. We were living in Orlando at the time. And we go in. I give him my history. Of course, he says, you're young. Let's go into your uterus and see what's going on. Goes inside, finds polyps and mild endometriosis. So he cleans my uterus up. And literally, Millie, as I'm coming out of anesthesia, he's like, this is what I found. I found polyps. I found endometriosis. Your uterus is nice and beautiful. You can get pregnant. Heck, you, I'll just bring your husband in right now and you guys can start <gasps> trying right here. No way. Yeah. And so like you hear your doctor tell you that and I'm like filled with so much hope. I'm like, yes, this is great. This will give me enough time for me to have my holiday announcement for Christmas because I grew up in a really religious household. I'm not that anymore. Um, but for me, it was like, I don't know why I attached that meaning because I think eventually like it started feeling like, um, that's how I measured my infertility was just was Christmas. Mm. Every Christmas it was like, my arms are empty again. My arms are empty again. And so obviously, um, that didn't work after I had my polyps and endometriosis taken care of. And by this time it's 2012, we moved to Salt Lake City, Utah, and I started seeing a new RE early January of 2013, and he gets me on IUIs pretty much immediately. Um, it was like a, this clinic was in a really small town in Salt Lake City. I just didn't know any better. I was in a brand new state, and um my last IUI, it was probably either my sixth or seventh. I get that one in my Clomid cycles confused. I came to my appointment with questions. And by this time I was on Instagram. People were kind of talking about infertility, brainstorming together. It was a community where how it is now. Um, of course, our access back then wasn't the same. And I came to my appointment with, with questions and he did not entertain any of my questions. Oh, wow. And I was like, this doctor is not going to be the guy that's going to get me pregnant. And I certainly am not going to continue to subject myself to this because it just felt so unfair. And how many IUIs did you do with him? Um, It was probably either six or seven. I get them confused with how many Clomid cycles I did. You know, there's so many. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This was also seven years ago. And um, I mean, nothing changed. It was every month was the same thing. Like he didn't change there was anything. the same protocol. Yeah. Pro, yeah, same, he template matched me like from month to month and didn't look into anything else, right? I think um, during that time, they went by how you look, how you are physically, you look healthy. There, there can't be anything wrong for someone that's 27, 28 years old, right? And so I found another reproductive endocrinologist and we had taken... 
So I did either six or seven IUI cycles. By this time, it's almost Christmas and it was very painful. Um, you know, I think with all the holiday movies that you have um, in front of you growing up, families opening presents, children around the Christmas tree singing Christmas carols, I just, I literally could not take it. And so we found a new RE in early 2014. Um, I started getting ready for my first IVF and it ended up in a chemical pregnancy. What's crazy is that I was so naive. I thought that IVF guaranteed me a baby. So I was in complete shock when it didn't work. So I, I didn't, it didn't really sink in that it didn't work for me. It was like, oh, oh, I really don't know a lot about this. So I had to take a step back and dive into what it was and why it didn't work. And so mm -hmm. we were gearing up for our second IVF in 2014. I timed it. I'm like, okay, now I know what IVF is. Now I need to eat all the Brazilian nuts, all the pineapples. I need to do all the acai <laughs> supplements to get yep. pregnant. Like now I know, now I can do my part. And of course I planned it. I'm like, I'm going to plan this one around Christmas time. This is going to be my Christmas miracle. And um, it wasn't. <laughs> we transferred two embryos. I froze two. And on Christmas Day, my doctor called and she said, so this was my second beta. She said, um, your number didn't rise. So it's a, probably a chemical pregnancy or an ectopic pregnancy. Oh, and I gosh. was watching Panda, wait, what's that? Um, not Panda Express. What's that movie with Tom Hanks? It's the animation movie. Oh, Holiday oh, yes. Express? What is it? Oh, great. Holiday Express. The Holiday Express? Is it? Oh, I know. Oh, Your listeners no. are probably like, no, it's not I know. That. They're, they're all like shouting into <laughs> Yeah, the it's this, it's this. <laughs> <laughs> but I was sitting on the couch with my mom watching that movie when I got the call. It was 9 p.m. Of course, they freaking leave you until the end of the day to give you the bad news. So you're all day, you're waiting for that freaking call with your beta. And I hang up the phone. And I remember like it was yesterday, walked up the stairs and I just, I just broke. It was, it was excruciating that like learning that news on that, on Christmas day, where it was like oh. the day of the miracles, like the day of the birth of Christ, like all of the things that I grew up learning and um, partaking in like miracles. I'm like, this is not a miracle. This, I don't believe this anymore. Like this is crap. This was, it, it was Excru the pain is so excruciating that you just feel like you're nothing. Like I felt completely worthless. And yeah, it was bad, Millie. I remember closing that year and starting 2015 thinking, I need to go to therapy because mm -hmm. I do not feel healthy. Like I just, this is all I keep thinking about. And I've completely lost myself. I wasn't openly talking about it with my friends and family. I felt like such a burden, but also I didn't feel like anyone understood me because I kept measuring these holidays and now they were so painful for me. And um, like, I didn't want to celebrate any holiday. I'm like, 
if I if if the pain of Christmas brings me this much pain, I don't want to celebrate my birthday. Valentine's Day is out the door. There's nothing I'm grateful for, so I'm not going to celebrate Thanksgiving. I'm not going to pass out Halloween candy to any kid. I don't want to see kids. It was just so opposite of who I am to my core, and so that's why I knew I needed I needed therapy to really start finding joy again in my present life because yeah. it was just an obsession and 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 you know you've been there so you know you know what it's like oh yeah you're just consumed like yeah. you, you do i completely relate to the losing yourself in this journey you know yeah. you, you you're like who am i anymore yeah. you know uh, you're just like this this shell of a person like with only one goal and that's all you can think about that's all you can talk about you know yeah. Um totally. It, it gets, it's so consuming. Yeah. And it's like you keep hoping, hoping. And for me, like the word hope is beautiful, right? But for me, it started to mean something else. For me, it was like, I hope so much that I want to be a mom that today doesn't even matter. I want tomorrow to come quicker. And so I was on autopilot. I just stopped enjoying the things that I truly enjoyed because I wanted to get to that next thing immediately. So in March of 2015, um, someone from Instagram in the TTC community reached out and she's like, Hey, I have a friend that is in her mid forties. She got pregnant at this clinic. It's out of state for you, but it's right next to you. It's in Colorado. She got pregnant there with really bad eggs. And like, you have unexplained infertility, which that was the diagnosis my doctor at this clinic gave me. Right. She's like unexplained, which for me was like, Great. No explanation. Just give you thousands of dollars and you can't even explain this to me. This is oh, crap. Yeah. yeah, the dreaded unexplained. Like, how is this possible? Because we can explain other things that are a little more complicated. So thank oh, you. I know. <laughs> I can explain how I get a freaking paper cut. You know, like. <laughs> totally. We, we can't explain this. this yeah, is, I just don't get This it. doesn't make a lot of Maybe sense. Maybe you don't want to dive deep enough, but I guess that's a whole other story. And so this woman was like, I'm going to put you in touch with my girlfriend. She lives in, I think it was like, I don't know, Alabama or Tennessee. She's open to talking to you if you want to pick her brain about going to an out-of-state clinic, specifically this one that I'm recommending. She gives me her phone number and I'm like, listen, I got nothing to lose. So I give this woman a call, pick her brain about it. She's like, you know what? This clinic, they are leading technology they're doing insane things in the labs with embryos and they're testing. Like it's just, they're doing clinical trials and, and you have to go. And so we thought about it and I told my husband, okay, therapy. I've been in therapy for a little bit now. Like I feel really good. If this does not work, I'm not doing this again. We're going to adopt a bunch of dogs. We'll start a nonprofit organization with rescue animals. That's, that's my game plan. Um, if this does not work. So we go to Colorado. I do a one-day workup in Colorado. They literally create a protocol that matches my specific body, what my body needs to get pregnant, which was like, wow, I wish I knew this uh, years ago. Thanks, guys. But, wow. but you don't know what you don't know, right? So it was all right. really, it was a lot of learning for me. So just to clarify, the embryos that you had at the clinic in Utah, you had already transferred those, correct? And you didn't have any on ice. So I had the, I, 
left two of them on ice from IVF number two. The new clinic did not want to take those embryos because they only take patients that would do PGS testing. And they said it was too risky to unfreeze them, test, freeze them again, and then thaw them out for transfer. And so they were like, we want to control this from the beginning and hopefully try to get more of your good quality eggs front and forward. So they put me on this acai supplement part. It was part of a study that they were doing. So I was like, put me in all your studies. Like I will drink (laughs) snake venom. I will do cartwheels. I will do whatever. I will run nude down the street. I will do everything. Just like make it happen. I will be your lab rat. Yes. I will do it. I will do it for free. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) And um, the same way. Yeah, I'm like, I've got nothing to lose, literally. I've got nothing. So I've got nothing to lose. So my retrieval was during the summer. And um, after all the days went by, I ended up with two genetically normal embryos that were frozen. They wanted my body to get back to normal. And in September, I flew back to Colorado for transfer. So I transferred two genetically normal embryos in September of 2015. And I got my beta a few weeks later. And the nurse was like, oh, you're pregnant. And I was like, yeah, I've heard this before. Like, she's like, no, 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 no. Get excited. This, this is, this is it. And I said, no, I, I'm not like, you kidding? It's almost Christmas. No. <laughs> Christmas. Because of Christmas course. A, a danger zone. Because I am a psychopath and I'm like, I'm going to plan this again around Christmas because if I have my transfer in September, then I can make my announcement in Christmas. Like, <laughs> I'm so crazy. Who does that shit to themselves? Me, everybody. Woohoo. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I mean, that's why you're on, I'm like, on, I'm gonna the, make on this the blower happen. today. That's Jesus said, wanted here. <laughs> like Jesus said, it's miracles. I'm going to make this happen. <laughs> I'm going to make this miracle happen. <laughs> yeah. And so my beta doubled and then tripled. And I was like, okay, this is, this is it. Like this is, this is happening. And even when I had my ultrasound and one, one was confirmed that was, uh, I had stuck, I guess the other one, I guess just like dissolves. I have no idea how that even works. But um, even then, when it was Christmas time and I was like pregnant, 16 weeks pregnant, I was so hesitant to even make an announcement because it was all still very painful for me. And I remember my husband, we he took me to the Nutcracker to see the ballet. And we were standing in front of these Nutcracker statues. And he's like, let's take the picture. Like you're showing a little bit. Of course, it was probably like you know, progesterone and oil shots and bloat from all of the hormones that I was still taking to keep the pregnancy. And he's like, let's take the picture. Like, let's just start telling people now. And I was like, I'm really scared. It was so scary. And for me, it was like, I didn't want to jinx it. Like I, it was still so unreal. And so, um, we take the picture, I put it on Instagram and everyone was like, oh my God, it worked. And feeling the energy and love and kindness, um, And words of affirmation from other people is what I really, truly needed. That's why it's so important to talk about, I mean, if you're comfortable, right, what you're experiencing through infertility, because people truly want to be there for you. That's what I really believe. And um, And I think the, I think you touched upon something really important too, receiving the kind, 
the kind words and generous wishes of strangers too yeah. is powerful. It's so powerful. It's so powerful and so needed. We are not meant to navigate infertility alone or silently with just your partner. We are not meant to do that. And leaning into the community is really what why I survived, essentially. Why I didn't lose my mind, you know? And so my daughter was born in June of 2016. And even then, I still didn't believe it. <laughs> I still you didn't had believe it. A, a beautiful, healthy baby girl and you didn't believe it. I didn't believe it. Actually, when I was in labor, I was I didn't I was in denial that I was in labor. We get to the hospital and I go to the front desk. I'm like, I think I'm in labor. I'm not sure. And they checked me. <laughs> I scarf a hamburger because on the way there, I was like, I'm so hungry. <laughs> I scarf a hamburger. We get checked in. I'm like eating a hamburger. And they check me in and I put my the hospital gown on and they're like, yeah, you're in labor and you're not leaving until your baby is born. And my body just started convulsing. I was like, I'm having a baby. <laughs> sure. I don't believe this. This is weird. Like, I don't understand why. <laughs> Say what? I, I was what? like, no, no, I'm not supposed to. <laughs> it was so weird. <laughs> My husband's looking at me like, are you okay? I'm like, no, I'm not okay. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, and what is your daughter's name? Her name is Mila. Mila Snow. Mila. Yeah. Mila Snow. Beautiful. So me, and, in, in Spanish, um, miracle is milagro. And so I just took, I plucked the first four letters of milagro and I named her Mila. I love it. I love it. And so she was one of two embryos that mm -hmm. were transferred. That's right. Um, and were there any other embryos after that? Yeah. So I had the two frozen ones from 2014 and I sat on those for a couple of years. And last year I At get the, the bill clinic in Utah, in Utah, right? Yeah. Last year I get the bill. They're like, um, $700 to keep them in storage. I'm like, okay. So I told my husband, I'm like, listen, it's now or never. I've always wanted a big family, but I'm good if it doesn't work. I've done, I'm in therapy. I've in group therapy, I, my mindset is good. I'm healthy mentally. If it doesn't work, I will be fine. If it works, that would be great. So my embryos in Utah, and we are here in Charlotte. And so last August, I emailed the clinic. I'm like, I'm coming for a transfer. Let's put it on the calendar. Send me all my meds. I'm ready to go. I tell my husband, um, I just scheduled my transfer, and I'm going to fly to Utah and do it by myself. And he was like, what? I want to do this with you. Let's go as a family. And I said, I need to do this by myself because this is the one thing I can control. Because if the outcome is not in, you know, our favor after everything we've invested in this, then I need to be the one to close that chapter and start writing a new one. I want to experience this by myself. It's my body. And he's like, done. So I go by myself. A great friend of mine took me to transfer, which was crazy because I was like, you know, you don't have to take me. I'm just going to Uber and do it by myself or hire like a private car. And she's like, you're crazy. I'm going to take you. And Millie, it was a spiritual experience. It was so beautiful. And during the transfer, my girlfriend was holding my hand and she's like, Marilyn, 
if this does not work, you came here and you picked up your babies. And yeah. that for me, like the most beautiful thing that her friend could tell me, like, these babies may not come earthside for you, but you pick them up. That's and beautiful. Beautiful. And obviously, um, I don't have newborns, so it didn't work. You know, I got the news nine days later with my beta um, was a 10. What's crazy is that the nurse was like, it, technically you're pregnant and the doctor wants you to continue the medicine. I'm like, listen, I am not going to continue the medicine. So the meds are stopping tonight. I'm not going to continue. She's like, no, I think you should. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, why am I going to continue to torture? I, I know my body. We're not going to do that. And that's part of like the self-advocacy that I learned through so many years, just having to fight and learn through this process. Um, so yeah, that chapter is closed. And you really stuck up for your own boundaries there. Yeah, like you I, really, you have, to. you have to. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, well, I think, and you kind of touched upon this, the holidays tend to bring up a lot of grief and painful, unresolved memories for people struggling to conceive. What is one thing folks can do to protect themselves during this time? Millie, that is a really great question. And I'm going to tell you, because I learned this along the way. The one thing that you can do to protect yourself is know your triggers. For me, it was singing children at church. So <laughs> oh I my God, so don't I don't know why I'm laughing, but that <laughs> is. It was like anytime a kid was like, oh, Jesus. I'm like, no. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'm not going to church anymore. Okay. Yes. So that was my trigger was singing kids. Anytime it was like a kid participating in a holiday activity, I just, I had to reroute where my energy was going to go. And so you really have to know what your triggers are and be intentional about not exposing yourself to those triggers and being ready to reroute yourself to where it takes you to a place where you are safe. I love that. I love that. And just giving yourself permission to not engage with those activities. Totally. You know, if yeah. it's if it's baby showers, if it's even being around friends who are pregnant, if that is too hard, don't do it. And it's not you know? easy because family members will not understand. Right. They won't. And so you have to really put yourself first in that situation because no one is going to get it because they're not experiencing it. 100%. In your opinion, how can people who are going through fertility treatments enjoy the holidays? Start your own traditions. Amen. Start your own traditions. I had a girlfriend that she was like, I cannot attend Thanksgiving dinner. Like it's so painful. So I'm going to book a trip every Thanksgiving. So her and her partner, every Thanksgiving, they leave, leave on a trip. Now this year will look a little bit different. And so what I, what I did within the last 10 years, um, was to give back to the community. And when you take a position where you're giving to people that are in need, where you're volunteering your time, where your hands are in labor for somebody else, feeding the poor, um, volunteering, like I volunteered at the Harbor House of Domestic Violence, battered women and children. I helped organize um, meals. I would organize their, their uh, 
donation rooms, just anything that you could do to give back to your community. There's nothing better than walking away with a grateful heart, knowing that you have what you need to live today because other people do not. And just uh, finding a way to serve others um, really was so helpful for me too, to try to change things up because infertility becomes so much about yourself and your body. And so finding a way to give to somebody else was really, for me, it was really, really important. I love that. You know, my husband and I consistently volunteer at a soup kitchen during the holidays. And um, it's powerful. It's really powerful to be able to, um, to, it widens your perspective and it can really remove a lot of blinders. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's great. Um, anything you wish you knew before starting all of this? Yeah, that not all clinics are created equally. For example, uh, egg quality, not every clinic grades them the same. There's not a standard mandate on embryo or egg grading. Every clinic does their own thing based on their own embryologists. And so I wish I knew that that wasn't very important. You know, I think a lot of people are like, well, these are, you know, my egg is a 2BC, double D. I, I have no idea. I, they put so much importance on it. HGTV. They put so much importance on that. And I'm like, I feel like I just got like an image of a bra, like an embryo bra. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah, it's and so true. Go, yeah. And then you go to another clinic. They're like, oh, this is it. B plus embryo. And it's just, they're not all created equal. And the lab is what's most important. The doctors will sit. They know what to give you and prescribe to you based on your body. And they can give you the exams. But the person that's doing the work that really knows their shiz are the embryologists in the lab behind the scenes. Those are the people that are actually going to tell you how it is, right? And so knowing that going to a clinic where they are leading cutting edge, cutting edge technology that um, the embryologists are the ones that are actually in there doing the thing. That's where you want to go. If your clinic and the staff and the doctors in that clinic are not consistently staying on top of what's out there, you don't want to go there. <laughs> exactly. You want to go to a, where they're, cons they're always getting educated and learning and doing new things. This ERA thing, that wasn't around when I was going through infertility 10 years ago. That's all new. Yeah. And things are changing so quickly, you know. They really and if, are. if you don't have a doctor who's staying ahead of that curve, it could really make a big difference. Exactly. Yeah. And going to a clinic where they are doing the tests that meet your body, not, oh, this is the FET protocol that we give all of our patients. Well, my body is not like all of the other patients. So why would you do that protocol on me? So no. being able to ask your doctor those questions, like, why did you choose this protocol for me? Yep. I so, oh, I totally agree with all of this. I have a lot of opinions about clinics and like really shopping around and like investigating, doing doing your homework. You have to do your homework on each clinic. Um, yeah. 
because there's a lot of there's a lot of clinics out there who just look at you like a price tag when you totally. walk through the door. And yeah. um it's rare to find a clinic that has a lab and a doctor that is just as invested in you w- with your success. And as that's you a- are. accessible. Right. Yeah, totally. Um that's great. What makes your blood boil about infertility? Oh, Millie. <laughs> oh, Millie. You know what makes my blood boil? <laughs> when people are like, and you know, they come from a good place, right? Because um, they want to be there for you and help you. When they ask, have you thought about adoption? Mm-hmm. What? Wow, what a groundbreaking idea. I don't even know about it. Can we schedule a Zoom together so you can tell me all about adoption? Here's my address. Send me all the brochures. Oh my gosh, thank you. (laughs) Are you kidding? I'm infertile. I've thought about everything, crazy things, everything. So like, uh, yes, I have thought about that. (laughs) I know. That is the, the one thing that like gets me absolutely fired up. Anything else, um... I approach from an educational standpoint, but the, have you thought about questions? It's like, really? Ah, they drive me crazy. And, and you're being really kind. You're being really (laughs) kind. I just like, I'm like, you guys are dumb. You, we need to educate. You need to learn that this is not helpful information. Like that, that's not a helpful suggestion. And, and also we don't, as a society, we don't understand adoption that well. Right. To think that that is an easy or easier solution. And it's significantly more expensive. Yes. And yes. There's so, and the process of even going through adopting is not easy. Right. <laughs> right. So, yeah, those questions. Like, I had a girlfriend after my second failed IVF. She came to my job and she was like, I just... I really want to be your surrogate. I'm like, what? (laughs) I'm not thinking about surrogacy. I just had a miscarriage. Oh, I'm sorry for laughing. That that is (laughs) the way you said it. You're like, um, thanks. I just like, how do I? Thanks. Um, (laughs) yeah. Okay. Weird. That just lands so differently. You know, it just. And and everybody thinks that they're presenting an idea that you've never thought of. Right. You know? Like you have like, you have you considered this? Have you had your husband hold you by the ankles up against the wall? <laughs> I'm like, I'm like almost 200 pounds. We've tried that and it was not easy. <laughs> I have had so many pillows under my rump. I I feel like I am just sitting on pillows for all of 2019. Um oh, I know. I know. Oh. Or the if you don't think about it, it'll happen. Oh. I'm like the only way I will stop thinking about it is if you inject me with some insane brain numbing drug <laughs> something illegal <laughs> like something illegal then maybe like don't think about it well that's strange because i have a brain yeah 
Yeah. Those are the types of things. And I think now, you know, since I've closed that chapter and I'm not in the thick of it, I approach it from an educational standpoint because I have love and care for the people that try to help because they, they really don't know. And they come from a good place um, for the most part. Right. But it, it doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you're nicer than I am. I think they can all rot in hell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, Millie, Millie, one year, my mother-in-law, oh my gosh, wait for this, guys. Wait for this, guys. My mother-in-law was like, the reason why you're not getting pregnant is because your jeans are too tight and you're no. always wearing high heels. No. And I was like, yeah, I don't think that's accurate. No way. No <laughs> yeah, way. Totally. The craziest thing I've heard is wearing paisley patterns. Have you heard of that one? What? <laughs> Was this from like an energy worker or like um, paisley patterns? That sounds... It, like a- it's something that... um another Instagram Instagrammer told me about, um, shout out to Jess. Um, she, she's with the handle mama in the making. Um, and she, oh my gosh, she said one of her coworkers told her to wear paisley patterns. Like to wear paisley. And I had to Google paisley. <laughs> I was like, what is paisley? I'm like, here I'm thinking, I'm like, I think I'm gonna have to Google paisley because I just I can't really figure that out in my head right now. Like a pattern. Like I, it's just this really <laughs> intricate pattern. It looks like a magic eye thing that you just like put up to your face and then you, you know, it 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 I mean, it's something that I haven't tried yet, so add that to the list. But it is it is quite, you know, people's ideas. People have their things. Yeah. Well, Marilyn, this has been such a treat. How can people find you and connect with you? You're a treat, Millie. <laughs> <laughs> You're like a little biscuit. <laughs> Just want to take you with me. Um, people can find me, um, on Instagram. That's where I hang out. That's like my jam, um, at Marilyn B. Gomez. I also hang out at Infertile Teas, which is my little online store and at Mama V the podcast on Instagram. Thank you so much. You're a rock star. And, um, to everybody who's listening right now, who is going through infertility and also celebrating the holidays. Take care of yourself. Yeah. Bye, Marilyn. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Me, Myself, and Millie. Follow us on Instagram at Me, Myself, Millie for more podcast updates. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe and share on social media. A special thanks to my husband, Rowan Brooks, for technical support and Cal Reichenbach, who did all the music you heard in this episode. You can check him out at calzonemusic.com. Thanks, cutie bombs, and see you next week. <laughs>